The Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. This is Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Uh, we're here with Tom Dobbins, and we are continuing to talk during this Advent season an Advent season of hope in the midst of a world in which there is far too much that we can despair about. So we talk about these topics through the prism of our Catholic social teaching, and we talk about them in a way that we kind of think about what's going on in the world, and we think about it so that we can kind of figure out where do we fit in and making the world a better place by better from our perspective means a place that is more compassionate, in which there is more kindness, in which there is more charity among people, but also a world which is more just, fairer. Because part of our Catholic tradition is when we say that everyone is made in God's image and likeness, well, that means something. What it means is that that image and likeness should be reflected in what people are able to do, what they are empowered to do, and what they have a responsibility to do. And so some things we say people are owed, and we say that people are owed, they have a right to a decent place to live, to nutritious food, to potable water, that they have a right to grow up in a supportive family. Now, we recognize in the very imperfect world that we live in that that doesn't always happen, that those rights are not available to be exercised by millions of people in different parts of the world. And that's why, to a certain extent, those type of things have a priority. So it's a priority, and I'm being maybe a little bit uh, simplistic, you know, it is a nice thing when people sometimes will give a dollar or some other things to people on the street. Those are very compassionate and they should be lauded as, as good things. Now, since I went down this road, I gotta be a little bit clear. If somebody doesn't give something to somebody on the street, that doesn't make them bad because there are different ways we can help people on the street, a kind word, and maybe we don't want to give them some money. Maybe we want to buy them a cup of coffee. We may want to buy them a sandwich. And then sometimes people on the street reject that. They say, no, no, if you're not going to give me money, I don't want anything. And I mean, I'm not making that up because that has happened to, you know, to me. And that's okay. That, but, um, but that's kind of a kind thing to do and a good thing to do, but not a necessary thing to do. Now, the fact that somebody is on the street and doesn't have a decent place to live, now a person has a right to that. And we need to try to figure out how we organize ourselves as society to make sure that we have enough decent housing for people so that people do have a place to live. Now, let me go down the road a little bit further. That's not saying that individuals do not have a responsibility to take steps for themselves to do that. No, no, we're not saying that um, people just have to be given things. No, the right to it, yes. So we have to organize ourselves as a society to do that better, but, there's an individual responsibility for a person to take the steps in order to take advantage of that. So, Tom, I went off a little bit too much on that <laughs> nope. at the beginning of the show, but uh, we went down that road. So um, I, I kind of wanted to speak a little bit more about that, because sometimes I think, you know, people will say, well, you know, I didn't give anything to that guy in the street. Was I a bad person? No, no, no. You're not a bad person. You're a bad person if you yell at that person and treat <laughs> that person disrespectfully. Yep. Then you're then you're doing a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But just to walk by, nod, 
you know, uh, that's and not give them something. No, that's not being a bad person. If you give them something, that's good too. But that's mm -hmm. kind of a charitable option. I mean, there are a lot of ways to do it. We can talk a little bit more about that. But let's go to our first uh, guess. And I am really, really pleased that we are um, going to these guests who are songwriters and a producer and a band member. And they have done a new song called Hear Angels Cry. They are the band called Uba, Ubafus, and they are London. So let me welcome to our show, uh, Sherry Anderson and Hal St. John. Thank you so much for joining us on Just Love. Hi, it's our pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you so much. And um, so I want to get right into it because I tell us about, tell us about the group that you are part of. And then we'll talk specifically about the uh, the song. Uh, Cherry, is that, am I saying your name right? Yes, perfectly. Cherry, yes. Wonderful. Right. Like the fruit. Yes, like the fruit, yes. Wonderful. So Cherry, tell us a little bit about the group. Well, um, so there's two of us in, in the group. Um, Hal, Hal, who's on the call as well, and myself, okay. both based in Southeast London. Okay. And as a band, we fuse eastern influences into western pop and obviously um in heavily influenced by our, our faith so in a nutshell that's what that's what we do um how do you want to add anything to that um no that's a good summary i mean the word the, the word uberfuse unlike many band names actually means something um we we're as cherry said fusing East, East and Western traditions, so Western pop with some flavors from the East, um, and then also our faith infiltrates the creative process. Well, that is, so does Fus have to do with fusion? Is that where that's from? Yes, yes. And so tell me about the Uber. Um, Uber, um, in German, I think means it, it is it's an intensification right. of whatever comes after it. So Uber fuse, it's like an intense fusion. Ah, okay, I like it. That's uh, so now I know this isn't. I don't know German, but but when I saw it, I thought of Oktoberfest, which I love. So, but well, I get, <laughs> yeah. That's, um, is that a, is that a beer festival? Well, it's a little bit more than that. It's it is it includes beer, but includes bratwurst, includes oh, yeah. all of those. It's a festival. It's a feast. So I have a little bit of German blood in me. So I love Oktoberfest. So when I saw this, I said, "Ooh, it reminds me of something I like." Um, so tell us a little bit, please, about um, you can tell us a little bit about the group in general, but tell us about your new Christmas song, Hear Angels Cry, and how, whether you want to do it or Cherry, whichever one of you wants to do it is fine with me. Go, Hal. Well, we can, half each. Yes. Okay. okay. So the, the project started kind of as a as a cultural experiment. We wanted to, as, as, as we just said, fuse some Middle Eastern sounds with what the Western pop uh, genre that we're familiar with ourselves. And we thought, what better way to do that than to go to the Middle East? And in this case, we went to Bethlehem um, in June, thinking, oh, let's, let's, let's reach out and um, with, with musicians who are actually based in Bethlehem and further afield and see if if any 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 of them want to work with us on on this in this in this experiment i mean it is an experiment that um has no um rules and no precedent in many ways um so we were very lucky to um 
um, fall into the hands of a music producer who's based in Bethlehem, but but the and and he loved um, the idea of a collaboration and recommended that we see what happens if we we get thrown into the studio with one of his singers on his roster of artists. So that's what we did. We we is this correct Joe? we came back in august yeah so we, and, we did um so when we went to the studio with john who's the bethlehem producer and justina who's the singer there um together we wrote what is now known as hear angels cry so the first um part of the verse and the melody hal and i wrote and then john and justina then worked on the arabic parts and in the chorus Chris, um, Justina then sings along with me in English, and I had to learn a few Arabic words um, to to sing the rest of the song. Um, and then we also fused in some Arabic instruments. So yeah, ah. it's, it, it's worth pointing out we 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 hadn't you know growing up in the Western tradition we thought there was only twelve notes in music, um, but in Eastern music there are many more notes than 12. They have notes in between the, the sharps and the flats. Um, so that was challenging because Justina naturally kind of hit these unknown notes <laughs> and Terry had to find a way. Yes, I did, yeah. To but, um, her voice. Yeah, originally the, the plan, the, the plan was that we would perform it in this year's um, tree lighting ceremony in Manger Square in Bethlehem. Right. So that was the plan when we were there in June, we were there in September, and then obviously things unfolded and um, here we are. And then it was, um, it was our friends in Bethlehem, so the Bethlehem producer and the singer, who really said, "Well, we should still release the song, because it it would be, it would be really good if we could get our brothers and sisters outside of the Holy Land, to to remember them and also to pray together for peace, um, not just in Bethlehem but in Holy Land." And so, we how could we say no to that? And so here we are. Well, so Cherry and, and Hal, let me do a little bit of a personal thing. And thank you for taking the time to be on Just Love. I heard the song. I mean, I it it got an article was in Crooks, and there was a link to the song. I listened to it, and I have to tell you, both Hal and, and Cherry and Tom can attest to this. I have absolutely no musical talent. Okay, um, and I'll tell you a little anecdote in a little bit, just to give some evidence about how little musical talent I have. I like music, but I'm just bad at it. And I, so anyway, so I hear it and I said, and so I'm listening it to it, you know, what are we now? 60 days after October, so I'm listening to it. And I said, after I heard it, I said, this is just so beautiful and so wonderful that I sent it to our choir director at the church I am. And I said, I want it as part of our Christmas carols. I said, and I don't care what you have to do, be legal and be ethical, but figure out how you can get, get it to do it. So our intent, if, if it can be done with rights and all of that stuff, is yes. to do it as part that would of- That beautiful. Yeah. That Yes, that would be amazing. That yeah. would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So it's really, it really was, is, it just struck me. I, do, you can tell me this because I don't know it. Is the Arabic and the English the same or are they different? They're different. Okay. So, if, and then if you watch the YouTube link right. and the captions on, when Justina singing in Arabic, the tran translations come up. That's oh, right. good. Yes, good. Yeah. Um, and and basically, hit her her words are, are so beautiful. Um, in the chorus, it says, "Sing, you know, sing to the child, um, who yeah. is about to be born. Sing with all your heart, and Jesus is our Redeemer. He is the light of the universe." Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it it's but uh, but 
Jerry, come on, fess up. Did you come up with the title? Yes. <laughs> the title is brilliant. I mean, the title is brilliant. Oh, I think. <laughs> no, even though, and, and this is my faith a little bit. Yes. Is, you know, uh, I'm a, and I do a lot of work at Catholic Charities and we do a lot, and we do a lot of planning and we do a lot of, you know, trying to figure things out. But I always say, luck and providence triumphs over planning. So, so I mean, you know, and, and the fact that you were thinking of doing this prior to October 7th. Yes. But this is, I mean, the angels this year aren't singing glory to God in Bethlehem. Yeah. They're crying because of mm. what's going on mm. the other little personal thing that i'll share with you i was also in bethlehem in june oh yeah well <laughs> i was i i went on a interfaith clergy mission of of jewish rabbis and christian ministers i was the only catholic priest but there were nine other christian clergy to understand what was to understand better yeah. the complexity of that situation, the pain of that situation, and again, all of this before October, October 7th. So, we visited still one of those refugee camps in Bethlehem, which has been there now for 75 years after 1948. So, uh, so the you know, the irony of, of, of that, um. You have released the song, haven't you? Yes. How, how have you got, how's the feedback been? Well, as Cherry said, out of respect for um, the people who've lost their lives, we didn't think it was appropriate to go ahead with the plan because the plan was for it to be a celebration around the Christmas tree in, in Manger Square. Nice. But the producer, John, was, he said, yes, it is a, completely different atmosphere and quite somber but he said even though that's the case he, he wanted it to be released so that people outside of um the the um the, the area of bethlehem got to hear a voice from bethlehem at this important time of year because the christmas tree lights are dimmed the normal Christmas celebrations in Manger Square are subdued, but this voice can be heard in spite of the restrictions and in spite of the curtailment of the normal celebrations that would be happening at this time of year. Well, you know, it's interesting, and now that you told me the history of this, and when I when I heard it, and and particularly the title, I just assumed it was done in response to October 7th. Uh, so that it was being worked on prior to that now is news to me as um, as we're speaking uh, today. Well, well, I think it's like you say, that there are no rules. And when you don't follow rules, you're open subconsciously, not even aware of it, um, to something beyond yourself. And clearly... I don't know. We were we were yeah. foreshadowing uh, the events yeah. that unfolded in some unconscious yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, it is. And 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 you know, it it's interesting. You know, this is just me speaking. I I, I am certainly no way an expert on Israel, Palestine, the Middle East, all of that complexity, but I know a little bit about it to know while the the tragedy the violence the massacre the terror of october 7th was you know unique in many ways that the tension the divisiveness the anger is there all of the time mm. and so even without um October 7th, there is a room for the tears of angels on Christmas. Also, even without that, that you just can't ignore. That's very true. 
um, very true. Because when we were there in June and uh, September, there was very almost tangible tension in the air. Um, yeah. And vi yeah. violence violence was happening, but albeit on a much smaller scale yeah. but, and invisible but to the world. That, yeah, I think that's why for our song, um, it's so important to ask people listening and, and to ask people who happen to hear the song that you can do something to help. You can you can pray for peace um, and, and you can also help and, and donate to, so for example, all, all the proceeds um, from our song will go to Friends of the Holy Land who would then right. um, send the funds to Gaza um, and wherever the need is. Right, right. It is, you know, and, and there has been, at least in the United States, a tremendous now, a tremendous outpouring of of support for humanitarian efforts in that area. Now, in addition to 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 be fair, there has also been an outburst of a lot of anger, divisiveness, also in the United States about what's going on there. So it it's a very tense, uh, which is why. And again, to to come come a little bit back to home, which is why I said to our our music director at the church that I'm at, where the you know the the common thing on Christmas is that there's you know maybe a half hour of carols before the mass, etc. I said to him, I said I want this song, but I also want a Hanukkah song, so that that our congregation understands that this is complex and we believe everybody's made in God's image and likeness and and the pain and the suffering is not it's not unfortunately it's not limited it's pretty widespread yes yeah that's true yeah it it is so um uh i one more one question about this cherry i know that the so this the song and the work was going on before october 7th did you come up with the title before october 7th yes wow that is <laughs> you know um yes gonna, that is that is that is great that is that is just uh just wonderful um so is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about either the song or the work of the group or other things that you have on your agenda. What, what, what's on your, your agenda going forward? How? Well, I mean, we went to Bethlehem because we haven't been to, I haven't been to Bethlehem before and the reality on the ground and what you read in the texts, there is a gap because you kind of romanticize Bethlehem, particularly at this time of year. And when you actually get there, I mean, yes, it's there, it exists. And, mm. but, but it's real. Uh, <laughs> it's in a bustling kind of um, town, um, market square. Um, and then you, for some reason, the door is really small into the church where the manger, the cave where the manger was um, right. um positioned mm. um so you have to stoop in, down your head to get through the door into this um quite grand church but not not overly ostentatious and then walk down some steps i mean as you probably know right to the to the actual spot where jesus was born and i have to say that for me was a very special experience yeah. there was something something beyond words um some some lingering presence beyond words which was very peaceful very calming very real um and that's probably what the, the impression that made made the most on me going there so How to be you, able yeah was that your first time there yes uh yeah uh, but please keep going i interrupted you yeah, so um, to think that that's, you know, without that 
event taking place on that particular spot on planet Earth, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas anywhere around the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. yeah, it's a very amazing experience, yeah. and to be able to to be able to kind of celebrate that and capture that in some way musically, which is which is our kind of area, yeah, was also very special to be able to do that. But also, I think that the message of the song, before and after October seventh, is still the same that the Prince of Peace was born in Bethlehem and whatever you're going through, whether sometimes you feel that there is no hope, no, there is hope and God's love will overcome um, whatever and will be there for you and will walk alongside you, whatever you're, you're experiencing. So I think that's one of the message of, you know, that we want people to, to get when they listen to the song. Yeah. And yeah. Was it your first time in, in Bethlehem too, Cherry? No, it was my second, but okay. yes, but, but, you know, um, every time I'm there, yeah. it's just, um, there's, there are no words to describe it. I mean, yeah. have you been there before, before, more than once? When I went in June, it was my second time also. Okay. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And, and what I, I don't know whether somebody said it or whatever, but how would you describe about you know, how you have to bow, you have to bend down because of how small it is. To me, from a spiritual point of view, if you want to kind of see it, you have to bend. Mm. You have to, even if you don't want to, you got to bend down and recognize that you have to bow down before the Savior. Mm. Because... Yeah, there's only other one there's only one way to get a good look is if you bow down and recognize who's got the priority and at least that's my way that i view view that and so it's it's a it, it is very very moving and i'll tell you what as i mentioned before what was very moving for me in june is in terms of the the, the sequence of my visit there we were there and then immediately afterwards less than a couple of miles away we went to the refugee camp and so and you may you, you may may not know that that in 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 that area refugee camps are not like tents it was thing they're neighborhoods which are just kind of North and so you you really go into a neighborhood uh and and that's where you know the descendants of people from 1948 are still living so it's a uh, um you know cherry I think you're right it, it, before October 7th or after there's still a relevance in terms of of the song and the and the music so um listen Thank you have been so, so generous with your your time and and I really appreciate it. And we have your contact information. So if our if our director of music has difficulty figuring this out, I'm gonna I'm gonna have him get in touch with you That's so it. that you can give him a little bit of a sure. hint. Yes, absolutely. Right. Good. Thank you so much, Cherry Anderson and Hal St. John. Uh, they've created a wonderful piece of music, Hear Angels Cry. Thanks so much for joining us on Just Love. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime, okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Just love. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. Tom, I think we'll take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. The Catholic Channel. Sirius XM 129. Now, let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Welcome back to Just Love. This is our weekly conversation about the church in the world. We say just love, just do it, because we believe that if you just love God, if you just love your neighbor, if you just love yourself, 
And if all of the six, seven billion people in the world did that, then our world would be more just and it would be more compassionate. And so that's why we say just love. Um, hey, Tom, thank you for rounding up those guests. They were really, uh, really very, very uh I hope our listeners enjoyed the conversation as much as I know I did. Um, and to me, it was really surprised that they had begun this work in June. Yeah, Monsignor, that was, I mean, to, I, you know, honestly, in the conversation we had setting it up, they didn't, they, you know, that was not as disclosed, you know what I'm yeah. saying and everything. So I think it is as, as uh, I like what you said, Monsignor, what is it? Luck and Providence sometimes <laughs> overcomes planning. I think yep. that's very that's very true sometimes with God. <laughs> yep. yep. So that is um uh that is uh that's that's really um good. That's that's kind of a good uh good thought to to take take with us. So listen, Tom, thank you Chris, for that. And we're gonna now come as our friends from Great Britain would say, we're gonna now come across the pond. And we're going to go out to the plains in our next guest. We're talking with uh, Jim Kenyon, who is the executive director of Catholic Social Services in Rapid City, South Dakota. And we kind of go around to see what's going on in different parts of the world as Christmas comes around. Hey, Jim Kenyon, thank you for joining us on Just Love. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Jim, can you hear me? Okay. Jim, uh, you can't hear me just yet? Okay. Tom, I think we uh, will, maybe Jim has to go back out and come in because, um, so um, let me set this up while Jim comes back in so that we can have our conversation with him. You know, Christmas, Catholic Charities, we have our, um, we have our um, uh, work that Catholic Charities agencies do throughout the year, without a doubt, day in and day out, a range of services that are uh, that are going on in different ways. So, but what we like to do at Christmas, most Catholic Charities agencies in almost every part of the country, they have special Christmas programs they try to do a little bit extra to reflect kind of the goodness of Jesus, the special season it is, to recognize that a lot is going on in that time. And so what we try to do is ask what people are doing in different parts of the country. And so, you know, in a couple of minutes when we deal with some of the technical problems, um, we're going to talk with uh, Jim Kenyon, who is the executive director of Catholic Social Services in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, and one of the reasons I like to do that is because our country is so large, our country is so diverse that, um, so the, the um, we celebrate uh, Christmas in different parts of the country, different ways, reflective of what's going on there. So that's why, you know, I live in a very urban area of New York, probably the largest city in the, is the largest city in the country. So it's good to hear what's going on in other parts of the, of the, the world. So that's why we wanted to go around the, around the nation to kind of figure out what is going, um, what's going on there. We're still having some difficulties with with Jim, but we'll try to see if we can get him. You know what we'll do, Tom? I think we will take a break and okay, we'll come back and we'll see if we can get Jim with us when we go there. So just love, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassion. We'll take a break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor. Welcome back to Just Love. 
Hey, for those of you who have been listening to us, I really want to thank you for your patience. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, so we maybe were a little bit cut off, not cut off in the last few minutes, but I am delighted that we are back and Jim Kenyon is um, is with us, who is the executive director of Catholic Charities, uh, Catholic Social Services in Rapid City, South Dakota. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what's going on in his world as we get close to Christmas, but we can talk about other things that are also uh, going on. So Jim, thank you for being with us and uh, give, our, give our listeners a little bit of your background. How did you get to the, your current position as executive director of Catholic Social Services um, in South Dakota? You know, Monsignor, it's kind of a, a little different route than probably most people took. You know, originally I was studying for the Diocese of Rapid City for priesthood. Okay. I was discerning that and trying to figure out what direction to go with my life as I got a clear sense in, in the formation that this wasn't what I was supposed to do with my life. And so transitioned out and really um, prayerfully started thinking about what what is it that God's calling me to? And, you know, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. Um, mental health and the crisis of American families and those kinds of things drew me to the work. Um, and, you know, unbelievably, I got uh, hired by my rector in Winona for a couple of, a couple of years in Minnesota before I got a chance to come back to my home diocese. And so I have been here for 31 years ah. and it's just been an extraordinary gift. Oh, that is great. So, uh, Jim, I have to tell you, you're coming back many, many times as a guest because um you're even though you're much younger than I am, you've almost been with Catholic Charities there as long as I've been with Catholic Charities in New York. So, um, uh, you know, I, I don't feel quite as much, or at least I have company being a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, when I first went to Catholic Charities USA conference, yeah. um, they had to stand up to find out who the youngest director of Catholic Charities was in the nation. At that point in time, it was me. But I'm going to tell you, when I look around at our group now, um, I'm certainly not in that group any longer. But, you know, it has been a great privilege and just love. You know, sometimes I always say people feel sit there and say, Jim, how do you do what you do every day? I mean, dealing with difficulties and mental illness and homeless and all those kinds of realities. And I, and I say to them, you know, actually, I feel bad for the bishop. Uh, uh -huh. Bishops are stuck having to deal with all the administrative headaches and crises in the world. And every day I get to extend the love and mercy of God to people in uh -huh. need. And yeah. it's just an extraordinary privilege, Monsignor. Um, I'm sure you've experienced that same thing. Well, I, I do. And and again, you know, picking up on that theme, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges that our Catholic Church is facing, you know, these days. Maybe some, some of them have been self-imposed. Others may be, you know, hitting us from the environment and the world around us. But I think you and I are privileged to be part of the Catholic Church, which is incredible good news. We're the good news that we help people, you know? You know, and as we approach Christmas, I just look at it and I sit there and say, you know, it's the incarnation of Christ's love and mercy. Yeah. That's what Christmas is all about. Yeah. And celebrating Christmas, you know, we're a very small nonprofit, very small region here. Um, geographically, we're huge, but, you know, very, very limited number of Catholic populations. And, you know, winters are tough here. Um, things are challenging. We have five reservations in our diocese and trying to figure out the needs of those families, um, some who are among the poorest in the country, right. um, but also who bring a great richness as well, who bring um, a great tradition and a beautiful culture and history. Yeah. Um, you know, I often say if Mother Teresa knew what I knew, um, she would have sent her sisters here. Yeah. Um, the face of Christ is very present here. So I'm, and, I'm, I'm picking my memory a little bit. Is one of those red reservations a Red Cloud? Red Cloud Indian School is actually on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And um, that's a wonderful uh, Catholic uh, high, high school and grade school that is present on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And probably does the best job educating Native youth in our in at least certainly in South Dakota. Um, we partner with them very closely, and they've been a great ally and been there since well before we were ever a state. So um, amazing, yes. 
the reason I, I mention that is because my roommate in college, he did a year or two of service, volunteer work or whatever there. And I'm going back now to probably 1972. He was there from 72 to 74, I believe. Yeah, no, um, it, it, there is. It's a it's a it's a great place to serve. And we've done a lot of disaster work down there. We have got a partnership with the school where we provide services to teachers and kids, do parenting education there. Um, yeah, there's th that started shortly after I came to the diocese back in 1992. Um, so so we're speaking with Jim uh, Kenyon, who is the executive director of Catholic Social Services in South Dakota. Um, you know what I think would be very kind of instructive for our listeners throughout the country is probably most of us in the United States just don't have a sense of the reservations. So could you talk a little bit about some of the work that Catholic charities might be doing on the reservations and how do you interact? And I, I know enough to know that reservations are not part of a state, there's sovereign nation, there are all of those intricacies which you know in and out. Share some of that with our listeners, please. You know, Monsignor Kevin, it's an amazing work. Um, it's a privileged work. I can tell you um, um, about 19, about 2006, we developed a Lakota-based prevention curriculum working with kids in schools across the region. Um, and and we actually this afternoon, or actually immediately after this, I'll be running to a meeting. We've got a group of Lakota elders and educators who have helped us design a curriculum that has been implemented for all these years, involving about 16,000 students across reservation territories in Western South Dakota. Um, primarily what that's gonna use is gonna use Lakota values, traditions, history, and pedagogy to help root kids in a positive Lakota identity. Um, so that they come to a deeper understanding of, of the gift that they are, um, at the, the talents, abilities, and to empower them to bring those gifts to the broader community. Um, it's been a privilege to be a part of that, just a small part of that. We've been entrusted with what I would say a very sacred um, curriculum. Um, and, and we were actually funded by the state of South Dakota who came to us to ask us because they knew what we were doing. They were saying no one is doing this and no one is collecting the data. Um, to help improve the outcomes. Because to be perfectly honest with you, um, those are very challenged regions. They are in the top 10 poorest counties in the United States. And we have um, five of those reservations just right here in Western South Dakota. The graduation rates, the poverty rates, the struggles that are there are very, very real. And at the same hand, at the same hand, you know, having come to know many of those families and serve them for 31 years, um, they become some of my best friends. So, Jim, let me, let me, Jim, I'm going to interrupt you, and and I hope our listeners don't get no, bored by this. But I want to do a little bit of insider baseball here, because I'm intrigued. Now, what's your? Are you running the schools, or are you doing this extra curriculum? Tell me, Catholic Charities' role in that? No, it's it's a very humbling role. Actually, it is a it is an opportunity to help pull together um, Native leadership. Instead of imposing on Native community, which has been done for generations, right. you know, we're going to solve these problems. It really was much more of a, of a approach to, to go to those Native nations, those families and those leaders and ask them what is needed. So um, we partner with the schools. They sign contracts with us to do implementation of a prevention curriculum for second through eighth grade. Okay. Um, so we train the schools. We've now developed that so that's completely online, so teachers can tr be trained. It's the schools that do implementation, and they say they they contract with us to provide that service. So, yeah. Jim, again for our listeners, prevention. But what are you trying to prevent? Yeah, you know the the number one thing we're trying to do is to try and help use the Lakota tradition and right. history to help root kids in positive sense of values and tradition. Right of who they are and what they're called to be about. Okay. Um, just to use as a real simple example, they have a process called Vision Quest, where the young people go and sit up on a hill and they pray and they ask for an idea, some clarity about what they're called to do in this world. And it's to remind people that, that it isn't poverty, it's strength. God has endowed them with gifts and talents and abilities. And from their point of view, the creator has. 
And those gifts, just like we understand in our Christian Catholic tradition, are meant to be shared, to be sources of love and life, and to build up the family of God. You know, um, so indirectly, it's um, evangelization through helping people realize their God-given potential. Right. And help them make good decisions. So, Jim, let me let me uh, take a few minutes to kind of uh, talk a little bit why I'm so interested is because in Catholic Charities in New York, for our listeners here, we do more and more what I call kind of education support services. Because even though they're literally in New York, billions of dollars being spent in our public school system, the achievement level is not what we would like. And so nonprofit organizations, human service organizations, and Catholic Charities in New York is one of those major ones that we provide support services in the schools. We don't teach the classrooms, but we want to make sure that kids have something after school, in the summer. We work with parents. We work with principals. And, and I say it very simply, Jim. Our goal is that the kids don't drop out. They learn to read better. They learn to graduate. And after they graduate from high school, they have a path to a better future, a job, college, whatever it is, so that they can live their lives, as you said, in the dignity made in God's image. So what I, why I was very intrigued and pushed you a little bit is because what you're doing is parallel, very different, but, but, but whether it be in South Dakota or the South Bronx, <laughs> it's a exactly similar right. type of thing. You know, poverty is a powerful thing and, and, and helping people realize their ability and come out of that are just one of the more and more clear focuses, you know, yeah. and I say some information about an uplifting parents program that we do and about somewhere 30 to 40% of those single parents that are trying to get through school. We provide a program that provides a stipend and then intensive case management. So helping lift some of them out of generational poverty. Right. Um, and this, this Christmas, literally that right, right at the end of December here, we'll have, we'll have um, eight new graduates many of them who will become nurses and doctors, teachers, covering some of the most critical sh medical shortage areas and educational shortage areas in our state and bringing those folks forward with their gifts and talents. You know, I think originally it was an anti-poverty program. In our current environment, I think it's clearer and clearer that we need them more than they need us in some ways. Right. Having them fill these critical shortage areas in our rural areas, to to work at IHS, to work at the veterans centers, to work at our hospitals, yep. you know, and when you watch the confidence of these women who now are in this place, and largely it is women, we have both men and women, yep. um, but seeing them take their rightful place in, in the economy and uh, become a resource to us all. Um, is just an extraordinary uplifting process. So again, I'm going to I'm going to point out another parallel. In New York, we find exactly the same thing with new immigrants, that they are among the best workers in 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 so many ways, and we need those workers who are who are here. So it's in their best interest that they get a job, and it's the best interest of the economy and and other people who need that work. So it is 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 a great kind of opportunity to do that. Hey, Jim, you have been so good and generous with your time. And I'm just for our listeners, I feel 10 years younger having seen you there, <laughs> Jim. So anyway, let me yeah. wish you a Merry Christmas. Jim Kenyon, who is the executive director of Catholic Social Services um, in South Dakota. Thank you for the work you're doing. And thanks for making me smarter about what's going on in that part of our country. Well, Merry Christmas to you as well. And, and let's stay warm. Good. Okay. <laughs> God bless Thank you, you so much. Thank um, you. Good. Uh, Tom, have you ever, uh, have you yourself, Tom, ever been at a on a reservation? I've been on the outskirts of one, Monsignor. Um, I had the, the great pleasure 
uh, back right after college of going out to, uh, I went through South Dakota. Uh, so I've been to the uh, Badlands, I've been to the Black Hills. So, but I've never actually been on the grounds of the res the reservation itself. So, uh, no, I, I, know, didn't wanna, I, I didn't want to say this while while Jim was on the air with us, but <laughs> I've never been to South Dakota. Oh, oh really? Oh, you oh you need you need you oh, need to goodness. go, Monsignor. Uh, Monsignor, I'll tell you, you come out and I'll get you up to the face of Crazy Horse and let you touch his chin. And okay. We'll get, to, we'll get to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> All right. And if I, you have time, I will even take you down to Red Cloud and see the amazing things that they're accomplishing down there as well. You got a deal. I'm coming. Come on out anytime. <laughs> probably me, in the summer, right? Not in the winter. Uh, you know, you, you you probably wouldn't imagine right now it's 50 degrees and no snow. So oh, some, okay. Sometimes, <laughs> okay. sometimes we don't want to tell everybody that because we're getting a lot of people moving in here from New York and okay. and everywhere else. Jim, we, Tom and I out. go back and forth. Our millions of listeners will tell them not to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, the tourism tourism industry does really well out here. But Monsignor, take me up on the opera. I, I will love to take you out here. Great, Please I would do. love to. I would. Maybe I'll to. have you come out and speak at our Palm Sunday brunch some year. I would love to. Would love to. We okay. have about eight hundred people to come. Good. And uh, and I'm sure you could share with us about. The realities of poverty in New York. If you and, don't make uh, if you don't make fun of my Bronx accent, you know my best friend Father Brian um, uh, um, Christensen is actually from New York, from Long Island, of course. Ah, but I definitely hear okay. the sound. Okay. So, anyway, yeah. Jim, thank you, thank you right. again. So, um, uh, Tom, thank you for this week. I think we're going to sign off now. All um, right. Okay. Um, just love, just do it. Love God, your neighbor, yourself. The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.